0: Thanks, James, for praying, praying for me in particular. <laughs> really appreciate that. It's uh, it's really nice to be here. And um, this, of course, is the most dangerous time of the day for a speaker, because it's <laughs> after lunch and it's you know before tea. And um, the only people who have a dispensation to fall asleep is actually Roy and Jin Ha, because you know they they might be still jet lagged But the rest of you have to focus. and and stay awake. Uh, It's good to be here. So, yeah, I'm Anthony McPherson. My beautiful wife is up the back, Cherie. (laughs) And Cherie's pregnant at the moment. And we have a little daughter, um, and she's a a ball of energy, and she's a two-foot tornado. And you're lucky that she's not here, because (laughs) she'd be running around, and my wife would be running around, and um, so she's with the the in-laws. So uh, it's good to be here, yeah. Um how long will you endure something? How long will you wait for something? Mike Ryan, he was a a vice president at the G C and he went to China and he, he tells us he told a story about um when he went there he landed in a big Chinese city. It wasn't like Beijing or Shanghai. It was one of these, you know, massive cities but we don't we don't know about them because they've got so many big cities over there. And he landed and he was picked up at the airport by a Chinese pastor and they started driving around the city. And he noticed that they were driving and looping around and seemed to be going all through the town and it seemed like they were going in circles and, and it was deliberate. And uh, the pastor's talking to him and he was just saying, oh, I'm making sure no one's following me. And so, you know, he's like, oh, wow, what is happening here? And eventually he was satisfied that no one was following and they stopped outside a building and they went into the building and then they went down several levels. And then they opened up a door and walked in and there was a printing press. It was this nice new printing press. And they were printing all these books. And the pastor told the story how their old printing press, the police had found. And the police had basically taken it off them and taken 10,000 books um, uh, the, the pastor, though, didn't, win, didn't give up, and, and I mean, this is, police, police departments can work very differently in different parts of the world. So uh, he actually went to the police and basically said, "What have you taken all my books for?" And he couldn't get the printing press back, but he gave them a hard time about the books, and so the, the, <laughs> the police put him in jail. But then they released him and gave him five thousand books back, and they said, "I oh, will get, get the other five thousand to you." Um, so why all this happens, I don't know, but he's that sort of situation they were in, and they had to be a bit careful. And the pastor said that they had planted 10 churches in the previous year, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? And he then said that their goal for the coming year was 50 churches. And, wow. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? And he's like, oh, come with me. So they hop in the car again. They're one of these driving all through the city, looping around, and it's like, oh, is anyone following them again? And then they come to a building... And they go in the building and they walk in and there's 200 young people sitting down and at the front there's an old old Chinese man and he's teaching them and and, and so uh, Mike Ryan was asking well, what's going on and he said oh these young people this is how we're going to plant the 50 churches they are all learning how to share the gospel how to you know, teach the Bible and Who's the man at the front? Oh, well, that man, he's a, he's a pastor. But he spent 16 years in jail for his faith. But he was, he was willing to wait and persist and, and pray and stay with God 16 years. And finally, he was out. And now, you know, you'd think 16 years, that's wasted. But now, he was teaching these uh, 200 young people. But then he said, well, but, okay, you're driving around trying to make sure no one's following you. Uh, this man was put in prison what's going to happen to these young people? And he says, uh uh-huh. <laughs> And so they get in the car again, and, and this time they didn't quite do the loop loop And they pull up outside a factory. It was a biscuit factory. And he said, well, we're not sending them out as like missionaries or whatever. These kids are going to go out and sell biscuits. <laughs> and he said, in this way, the police won't ask any questions. They'll be free to go and sell biscuits, but also see if there's any interest. And, um, I it was a really amazing story, but the thing that stuck out for me was persistence and and the fact that this they were persisting, they weren't giving up, they were committing themselves to God. And this man had spent 16 years in in jail. Um, so how long are you going to persist at something? Uh, I don't know if you've got your Bible, you got your phone, pull out your Bible, your phone. I just want to. There's a little parable. It's just dynamite parable that uh, Jesus told. And um, it's in Luke, Luke 18. Now, all of Jesus' parables are good, but Luke has quite a few colorful ones that you won't find anywhere else. And uh, this is one of them. This is a really colorful parable. So Luke 18, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about man. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So here's this parable. Now, most of the time Jesus tells a parable, he does not tell the meaning of the parable. He just, so here's a story, boom, and he moves on. And that's actually great teaching. But sometimes he does. And Luke adds this little editorial comment at the start so we don't miss what it's about. And he says, what is it? Two points. Don't give up. Um, Sorry, always pray. In other words, always pray all the time. And then don't give up. Continue to pray. And these are two things that uh, go together. And I think Jesus realizes this is a real question for believers especially in a world where, um, I mean, not only is God not a priority, but God is denied. And so we pray and we struggle with the issue of prayer. Sometimes we forget to pray. Um, We leave prayer at a lot of different parts of our lives and, and sometimes we stop. Why do we stop? Why do you stop praying? Sometimes it's because you don't see answers, you don't see results, things don't happen the way you expect them to happen. We think God's not listening, he doesn't care, and and so we we give up. And um, and we can't find an explanation for this. Now, um, we could look at uh, why God sometimes does not answer our prayers. That's an important question. Um, But Jesus is addressing something a little different here. I think all of us acknowledge that God is not a... uh, cosmic vending machine true you don't just put in the coin choose the the chips or whatever and and out it comes you know you say the prayer and all of us sort of know okay well even though we pray like God still has some choice in this so he still has some choice in this so the question is not so much why God says no to certain prayers and refuses to answer them and that's a really important question and that's one we could look at. But here, the question is more about why pray at all, and why keep praying when you don't know for sure either how, or when, or if God's going to answer your prayer. So He tells a little parable. Now it's full of life and color. Like, get this judge. He's, he's is this the guy you want as a judge? I mean, what's a judge supposed to be? The one thing a judge is supposed to be is just, isn't it? Like that's Judge, justice, law—that's it. What's his one defining characteristic? He's not just. He's called the unjust judge. Not only that, he's—he doesn't care about God. He doesn't recognize God, and he doesn't care about men. So th- there's nothing going for this judge. And f- if you have to come before him, there's nothing going for you. This is so. This is a colourful judge. He's—he's he's this grumpy old character. He doesn't. But he meets his match. What's his match? <laughs> you know. It's not this big Hercules. What is it? It's an unfatigable old lady. It's a little old lady. That's the match for this judge. Why? Because she she just won't give up. She's got the stamina of an ultra-marathon runner. And so while none of us could intimidate... uh, See, the thing is, what Jesus is trying to say is, the lady cannot appeal to anything in the judge. So he can't repeal, she can't appeal religiously. Oh, look, for the fear of God, would you help me out? She can't appeal to justice or even compassion, you know, because he doesn't care. So the point is there's nothing to appeal to in the judge. That's really important. The only thing she's got is what? Bothering him. Just hounding him. It's like he... He gets up in the morning. He's having his cup of tea. Who's at the window? It's this little old lady. He goes for his walk. Who's there? There she is. She's beside him like he goes into work. Who's there? Oi! It's this little little old lady. She's got persistence. It's the one thing she has. And she gets results. Um, Now, what's Jesus' point here? Look, it's comparison and contrast. And basically... um, He's saying look if if this woman can get an unjust judge to, to basically give her justice a just loving God what's he going to do and the only thing she had is persistence so he's saying if you've got cause to persist with with an unjust judge you've got cause to persist with a loving just God you know that's the, that's the contrast so um, don't give up um, uh, persistent prayer is absolutely um, essential. Now, uh, the thing I, I just want you to notice at the end of the parable, though, he asks a question. Um, he says, "When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth?" Now, you actually relate that to the parable. So, what's he saying? He says, "When he returns, will, will people actually be persisting in prayer with God, or will they have given up?" So, even though the contrast is so true, uh, we might give up. So, I want to look at uh, a few reasons to persist in prayer, and um, I think this is really important. So, first one, let's look at Revelation, chapter 6. Come over here, and I'm going to give you four four basic reasons. Revelation, chapter 6, and verse 9, and it says, When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. And they called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants, their brethren, brethren, brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. Okay, so... It's the book of Revelation. It's symbolic. It's not to be taken literal. Um, there's not people actually in heaven going, "Help us, God." Uh, but the key thing is this question: they're asking God, "How long is it going to be until you you answer our prayer?" They're, they're pleading to God, "How long?" And it's this. This is all through the Psalms. Um, how long do we have to suffer? How long do we have to endure? How long until you 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 know you execute justice and you put things right? And Um, it's a moving request and now the answer is there's two ways to read these verses Um, you know they've got to wait for either quantitatively the number of servants to be made up that's some translations which is like oh more people have to die yet or the other one is qualitatively is you've got to wait because God's working with people and and some people aren't complete they're not ready they're not saved. so it's more about getting people ready and developing the characters and that sort of thing um, and so the idea is that God will God will actually delay things because all this other stuff is happening His work in the lives of believers um, for the gospel to spread uh, even though it takes place in the middle of evil and uh, persecution and ju- justice. So here's the first point that I, I, I want you to take home. Um, we must persist in prayer because life is not just about us. We're a part of history, and it's bigger than you and I, and it vol- involves others, and it takes time. Like That's just the first thing. And it's, it's like we would love to have the universe revolve around us, us wouldn't we, each of us? But it doesn't turn around us. And and God's doing lots of big stuff. And so we've got to keep praying because all this other stuff is happening. Now, the the thing is, um, prayer is how you get through the delay. That's how you keep connected to God while you're waiting for the rest of history to play out. So prayer helps us get through that. So that's that's the first one. second one is this. Have a look at Daniel chapter 10. So come on, look at Daniel chapter 10. And the second one. Uh, Daniel Daniel chapter 10 verses uh, 12 to 14. And it says, Then he, that's Gabriel, angel, continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I've come in response to them. But the prince of Persia, of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So it's a really interesting verse. Uh, you got Daniel, he's praying and fasting. Uh, why is he doing this? Well, it doesn't actually say, does it? But we think it's because um, the rebuilding of the temple had stopped. So he's in Babylon. Some people have gone back to um, Israel. And the uh, exiles who have returned um, are in danger. And so Daniel's praying that God would step in and and help them. And it's appeared that God's work has been, it's, it's actually been defeated now, um, there's a delay, but it's not like the previous verses. Okay, the previous point is that there's a delay that none of us can stop. God's working in history in other people's lives. It just has, it's going to happen. And we've just got to persist in prayer during that. This, however, is a different delay. This is a delay that shouldn't happen. It, it, it doesn't need to. The other one's unavoidable. This is an avoidable delay. Okay, so so why persistent prayer at, at, at this sort of time? Well, this verse sort of indicates that the way God runs creation is not where God just sovereignly decides every little point and everyone does it. The way God reign, runs creation is he rules over, but everyone's making their choices and people can resist God and fight against him. And it's strange, but sometimes people can hold up God's work. He gives everyone a little range of power, and this is both human and angelic, or demonic, and they can actually cooperate and and actually stop or retard God's work. So um, sometimes we've got to pray because we're in the middle of a spiritual war, which is different to the previous thing. And uh, Gabriel was actually prevented, and it's not until um, by the Spirit. Powerful spiritual being, like some sort of Prince of Persia, some sort of angelic, demonic influence there. And it's not until Michael comes that it's over to turn the situation around. And Daniel was praying for those three weeks for that event to happen. And he persisted. And, and it's, it's a, look, it's a bizarre thought, but uh, Daniel sort of switched history around with his prayer. Not him alone, but his prayer was part of that. And so sometimes um, we have to persist in prayer because we're in the midst of a spiritual conflict where everyone just doesn't do God's will. And so we've got to stay there, stay in prayer, keep praying. And while praying, God then starts working upon people in other people's lives and he brings about an answer to the prayer. But like a fight goes on in some sort of sense. Um, So we've got to keep praying uh, during that time. And... Um, now, we can't directly fight in a spiritual battle. And partly because it's the mercy of God, he, he's put protections, we don't directly engage in it. But we, can, we, we do it indirectly, and God has actually given us um, ways of engaging it. And you know the chapter in Ephesians, right? The armour of God. It says we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers... Um, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And then he describes the armor. Can you remember? What is it? Be brave. Call out. Give me a piece of the armor. Anyone? Sorry? Okay. Helmet of salvation. Sword of the Spirit. Some, come on, somewhere over here. Sorry? Shield of faith. Bout of truth. Breast of righteousness. Yeah, the gospel one. So you know the armor, but when we read that verse, often we leave out the overall crucial thing. And it's not a piece of armor. And it's, I think it's the most important thing. So he, he describes the armor, and then he says this in verse Ephesians 6, verse 18, and he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Notice this persistence, always, always. For the Lord's people, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So he he does the armor of God and then it's like what wraps it all up and what you do when you're in the armor is you're praying. So that's actually how you use the armor, you pray. And um, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Um, Keep on praying. So Look, part of our persistence in prayer, which is absolutely crucial, is we're in a spiritual warfare. And obviously, this strengthens us spiritually when we pray, but it's it's actually changing things out there. And so we've got to persist. It's really um, crucial. Um, Prayer helps overcome the resistance to God. Prayer helps us be part of the resistance. And prayer keeps us on the right side of the battle. So that's why persistence is so important. Okay, so first, second. Okay, third reason why we pray. Uh, Romans, um, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Interesting little um, verse here. Um, And I'm going to read the New King James Version because um, this one brings out particularly what I want to say. It says, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if, by some means, now at last, I might find a way in the will of God to come to you. And you can read some different versions, and they add um, different uh, ways of saying it. But here's the third reason. And this is uh, this is crucial. We must persist in prayer because the way God's will is going to materialize is not clear yet, and we find ourselves in this situation all the time. So, the general goal is clear. You know, there's lots of we know that lots of things, how we should live our lives or what we should pray for, what we should be aiming for, but the specifics are not clear. So we're not sure where. how is it gonna happen? So I mean, here in this church you're probably praying for things. You know, you've got dreams and visions and that, but you're not sure how it's gonna happen in your own personal life. You've got oh I'd really like you know, it might be work or a whole lot of other things, relationships, whatever. It's like you've got the general but you're like, but how's this gonna happen? Well um, we've got to keep praying to actually find out how it's going to happen. So to move from the general to specific, specific prayer is the connecting thing. So, because um, notice Paul says, look, I, I don't know how, but I'm trying to find a way, and he says, I've been praying, it's in the will of God to get to you guys. So the general thing is, I want to get to the, you guys in Rome. I don't know how, so I'm praying. Okay, so... um. It's like when you're praying, you're like searching out, you're thinking, you're inquiring, you're opting, you're trying to discover how God is going to allow this to be fulfilled. And you're almost getting a little pushy. But it's all right. It's like God wants you to get pushy. He's wanting you just to push out and and, and try and um, reflect and pray and think it through how this is going to happen. Now, this is really important because... um, Many of us actually pre-plan everything for God, don't we? We, oh, I'd really like this to happen, and, ah, yes, it would be great if it happened this way. And we almost map it out for God. It would be really nice if it could go this direction. And, of course, that might not be either a good direction, or God might have something very different in in place. So how are you going to know? How are you going to actually... not just stumble along, we, by praying you can actually start to feel your way through. And it's, um, so persistent prayer gets this, Get this. it keeps us open, flexible, learning, changing and growing while we move from the general will of God to the specific will of God for you. And it's a bit like we play, play this game with kids, um, you know, hotter and colder. So it's an object or we're hiding something and... <laughs> Um, when they get closer, we go warmer, warmer, and then colder, 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 warmer. And, and it's a bit like that, I think, with God. And if you're praying, you can actually hear him saying, colder, 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 frozen, like free, warmer, warmer, warmer. So it, it keeps us um, open uh, to God. and Because and, he can do new things, new ways, and he can answer us uh, often better than what, what we're thinking. And um, we need that flexibility, uh, that openness to God, being willing sometimes to put on the brakes when he says break, and then run when he says run. So always persistent prayer. So you, it's like you're keeping your ears open to him. Really crucial. Um, the third one, the fourth one, sorry, last one, I noticed Roy said the speaker for our hour. I thought, wow, Roy wants me to preach for an hour. <laughs> Do you want me to preach for an hour? No, amens there. Okay, three. You should have Amen. Okay, so this is the fourth fourth uh, reason we need to persist in prayer. Um, come over to Luke twenty-two. Now, this is a really moving scripture. This is this is really powerful. Luke chapter twenty-two, uh, starting in verse thirty-nine. <coughs> Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And in Matthew and Mark's version, they say specifically Jesus prayed three times, the same same prayer. Now, this is really extraordinary, but Jesus felt that he himself needed to pray three times. It wasn't enough just for him to pray once. He had to keep going back, same prayer too. And he just had to pray it again. Um, Why should Jesus feel like this? He never sinned. He's a sinless one. So why? Um, even though Jesus was perfect, his obedience was still at times a wrestle against temptation, trials, doubts, emotional states, um, certain streams of thought. And it wasn't easy. It's as, as difficult as the temptations you and I face and give into really easy, um, his actually appears even to be harder. Now, it's because of the enormity of what's ahead of him. Uh, but listen to what it says in Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. It says, In the days of his flesh, emphasizing that, Jesus offered up prayers and <coughs> supplications with loud cries and tears. To him was able to save him from death and was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Okay, so um, Jesus' obedience was not a mock obedience. It was real and it was difficult. He was tempted and harassed and he suffered more than um, anyone else. And again, it's not because uh, he was sinful. It's because of the enormity of what he had to go through and what he was facing. He's facing the prospect of a cross with the, its horrible reality of taking all the sins of the world on, uh, the shame and the death and the separation uh, from his from his father. So get this: uh, Jesus' mind was not rebellious, but it was unsettled. It feared. It's probably the only time he manifests any fear in his life. You know, he, sleep, he sleeps through storms. <laughs> a crowds about to kill him. And he just sort of passes through the mist. He's, but here he's actually afraid. Like all human beings, Jesus had the natural instinct of self-preservation in the face of danger. He did not enjoy agony or suffering. That's not why he did it. It wasn't like effortless. He didn't want to suffer. Just like we don't. Um, like all human beings, he needed to process his feelings and his emotions. He needed to become sure and settled and determined. It just doesn't happen. You've, you've got to actually work through it to get to that point. And prayer, right? Persistence in prayer is actually how Jesus calmed his soul, gathered his strength, settled his will, and yielded it to God and God's plan. That is really... Powerful. This is so, so powerful. So get this: the fourth reason we need to pray is because sometimes, and we need to settle our wills down. We need to realign them to God's will, and that takes time and it's a process. And, and you just, you just often, and when you're facing a really difficult uh, situation, it just doesn't click in. You need to persist in prayer and keep doing it. And and, uh, if you look at those verses, that realignment and that constant realigning helps you face temptation. That's what he said to his disciples. These are four things. And there's there's heaps more, but these are four that struck me and they're really powerful. Um, So I'll just sum them up again for you. Four reasons for persistence in prayer. We persist in prayer, number one, because life is not about us. We're part of history. History involves others, and it takes time. But prayer helps you get through this long delay. It keeps you connected to God. Number, that's number one. Uh, number two, we must persist in prayer because we're in this spiritual battle, and prayer places us on God's side of the war, armed and active and ready, and we even become means that God can use in this spiritual battle. And number three, we must persist in prayer because the way God's will is going to materialize for you and I is not clear yet, but prayer keeps us going and keeps us open to God and flexible and we start to figure out how His will is going to be fulfilled and we follow His lead. And then fourthly, we need to persist in prayer because sometimes our wills are maybe they're rebellious or unsettled and they need to be realigned with God's will, and that takes time, and that takes a process. But that process keeps you connected to God and resisting temptation. So, um, yeah, I, what you're doing here in, in this church—it's it's, it's, you're small, and it's, it's daunting, and you know, Melbourne—it's it's like um, a monument to. Secularism and money and business and success and commerce and everything else that happens here, but God is alive and He's He's got lots of things He wants to do here through you in this part of uh, Melbourne, and so you got to you got to sit with them, you got to stick with them in prayers. how you perceive. Now I wonder
1: what would have happened if I said, "This is Anthony, the speaker for the minute." <laughs> 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 well, we're very grateful. Share, share the word of God. Uh, the song, the song of reflection for today is um, basically it's called With All I Am, and though the song is not directly connected to prayer, I think the principles in the song are uh, very much they have to do with uh, persistence and trust. And uh, as you think about the words, and as you think about, and as you listen to the music, I hope that it inspires you in your in your own walk with God. i oh.
0: as well in the background we just wanted to join in it's a really uh, beautiful song I I just want to ask you to stand with me as um, we pray Father in heaven Lord you're accomplishing so much in this world so much is happening that we do not see Lord uh, you're moving history forward there's a spiritual conflict going on. Lord, sometimes we're not sure how things are going to turn out and we, our wills, they weaken. They're unsettled. But Lord, I just ask, help us to persist in prayer. To cry out to you day and night. And never give up. We might stay with you and then see the amazing ways you will answer prayer. And Lord, I know when we do that, we see that it's not just human means. You have stepped in, you have worked and we give you on the honour and glory. And I just want to pray for this group, Lord, bless them with persistence of prayer above all other things. And I ask this in Jesus' name.